<laughs> Jill's just like you. Good morning. If you'll please uh, stand and uh, join us in singing. And uh, <clears throat> looks like we have a good crowd. So, good morning to you, and we'll be going. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Just a quick announcement. Uh, tomorrow, Baptist Women's World of Prayer at 6 p.m. You are all invited. And OCC boxes deadline on November 13. 
that would be next week. Craft and Yard Sale on November 19 will start 8.30 to 2 p.m. And save the date to all uh, uh, women, TMBC ladies dinner on December 9. So save the date. And to those who are watching online, once again, we have uh, additional rooms for smaller setting. To our guests, if this is your first time, we encourage you to fill out our guest registration card. And shall we pray? Father, we commit to you our service this morning, and we thank you, Lord, for your sustaining grace. That's what you've said in your word, that your grace is sufficient for us. And we praise you for all the blessing, even for the testing, Lord, that strengthens our faith and our relationship with you. And we ask this morning that you will continue to enlighten us and empower us through the power of the Holy Spirit as we ponder upon your word that we will be a person that you want us to be. Help us, Lord, to be do words of your word and not just hearers only. And we believe it is your desire for us to be conformed to the image of your Son and we bring back all the glory to you in Christ's precious name. Amen.
Faith Comes by Hearing is an audio Bible ministry working around the world to record and provide God's word free in every language that needs it. But why audio? More than 70% of the world's population lives in oral communities. That means over 5 billion people will have limited access to God's word unless it is recorded into audio. That's where we come in. Believing that God's word has supernatural power to transform lives. Faith Comes by Hearing is committed to making the Bible available in the language and format that all people can deeply connect with. For God, so this primarily involves producing audio recordings of scripture in national languages and making these recordings free and accessible. Here's how it happens. When creating a Bible recording, we must first acquire the translated text, then send a recording team to an area where the language is spoken. This team works 10 to 12 hours each day over the course of a few months, often overcoming challenges such as illness, bad weather, and noisy chickens. But these teams, by God's grace, get the job done. And now everyone is waiting to hear God speak their language. In situations where meeting together for the recording is dangerous or difficult, a tool called virtual recording allows native speakers to record the Bible in the security of their home, their church, or their office. We also have wonderful ministry partners who record audio Bibles and allow us to utilize their recordings. These recording methods are great when we have a translated Bible text available. But what about those languages that don't have a written Bible yet? Or even an alphabet? The answer? Oral Bible Translation. This method combines both the translation and recording process. Once we've completed the audio Bible recordings, what's next? Audio scriptures are a powerful tool for both evangelism and discipleship, but only if people can access them. After the audio Bible recording is finished, we initiate listening programs around the world using tools such as audio Bible apps, SD cards, online downloads, playback devices called proclaimers, and even word-for-word -word video Bibles called gospel films. Using these tools, more and more people begin to listen to God's powerful word in their heart language, sharing it with their family, their friends, and their communities. Individuals, families, and even whole villages are changed for eternity. Nothing we do would be possible without partnership. The body of Christ working as one for the common goal of getting God's word to every person. Whether a ministry partner, prayer warrior, or generous giver, you play an essential role in making God's word available to billions of people in a way they can understand and engage. Because of you, people will at long last be able to hear God speak their language and be discipled. So let's work together to get God's word to every person. Visit faithcomesbyhearing.com today to discover how you can take part. Good morning, Tucson Mountain. Faith Comes by Hearing is a great organization. They were <coughs> supplying Bible sticks to much of our military, and now they are branching out beyond military into all these other languages and all these other places. So we, are, we do want to support them um, and, and give to them. If you do give to them and you don't find a, an envelope in your uh, bulletin to do that, 
just mark on the offering envelope if you want to give additional monies to Faith by Ear. That little video, Jasper was kind enough to shoot that video for us the night of the uh, Harvest Fest time. And I don't know if you saw the, saw the thing behind where he was taking the photos and they had the photo booth going. It says, follow ween Jesus, not Halloween. So it was pretty good. Uh, Jasper and Iris are pretty crafty people. They come up with some good sayings, and they're great artists. And I want to thank each and every one of you that came in and helped with that. That was a, that was a great outreach. We served over 120 children that night that I know of. I think there's some fallacy in that <coughs> ancient one. Hey, you know what? We are, we are looking at some things today. I want to explain to you a little bit what I'm trying to get you to view today. There's two viewpoints as we look at Revelation. There's a viewpoint from earth and there's a viewpoint from heaven. And as we look at these things, the scripture bounces back and forth in some of this. So some of this today is going to be in and out of two viewpoints. And the first thing we're going to do, this is going to be a helicopter ride because we're taking right off into the scripture. The very first viewpoint is the view from earth, the view on earth. And in verses 12 through 14 in chapter 6, we're starting in chapter 6, says this, I watched as he opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair, and the whole moon turned blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to earth, <coughs> earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll, rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Listen, that's dramatic language about what's going to take place and happen at the end. The sun itself may burn out, and it can be black as charred coal. But it can also be because of the earthquake that's erupting the volcanoes and the soot shooting up into the air and blacking out the sky. There's multiple things that are taking place. And at night, the moon turns blood red. Do you realize we're going to have a blood red moon pretty soon? Tuesday. Okay, that's too soon for me. Um, but this is not the signs of the end. We've got to remember that, right? So the sky, is, the sky is where we get all our natural light. But if it all is darkened out and it becomes black, that's also a signal of what's happening to man's heart in the world. It's turning black and dark. There are more signs of this soon coming impending end that's going to be stated. So we're also looking at some things today. When you, when you read those verses just in 12 through 14, doesn't that make you think of all the chaos that's going to be unleashed in the world? It did me. But there's three kinds of signs, and I want us to understand that today. I want you to really understand, as, as we look at these things, the vacillation that happens between the view from earth, the vacillation that happens from the view from heaven, and the three different kinds of signs we look at. And I'm going to try to give you a description of that as we look at these things. These three kinds of signs as we approach the end come across as in, in numerous books 
We see it in Matthew 24. We see it in Revelation. We see it in Daniel. But in Matthew 24, he talks about the beginning, the very beginning of the pains of these birth signs that are taking place. And he says this in Matthew 24, 4 through 8. Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. So this is just the beginning. He says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are beginning of birth pains. Now listen, the beginnings of these birth pains started the minute Jesus left earth. If we really think about it, we have seen wars, we have seen famines, we have seen earthquakes since day one. Jesus is saying, whatever you do, don't let anyone fool you and say, look, I am he and this is it. Because he said, that's not true. There's many that are going to be fooled. There's, there's many that are going to come and say they are me and they are not. And there's many that are going to be fooled. And we're going to look at that in a little different way in a minute. Listen, this world, we know and understand, this world is not what it's cracked up to be. It's a shaky place at best. And that's not just literally, that's figuratively and spiritually, emotionally, mentally, every which way you can think of. If the world was meant for eternity, why do we have all the natural disasters we have today? If it was meant for eternity, why do we have the sin that we have in our life today? All these things come into play. These first signs point to the beginning of the end. It doesn't mean it is the end. The time frames are going to be different. Listen, just because, and I know we have some ladies that are pregnant and, and have had babies, and we got one or two that are still going to have babies, but you know what? Those beginning birth pains don't mean that baby's ready to be born yet. Right, ladies? These things will go on all the way up to the very end. You know, last week we talked about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, right? We talked about those. I, I found a quote by Billy Graham that says this. He talked about these four horsemen of the apocalypse. He says, we may not see the four horsemen of the apocalypse now, but we can certainly hear their approaching hoofbeats. I sort of like that. We hear them as signs because we see them all around us. Do you realize that historians tell us that in the last 5,000 years, there's been more than 4,000 wars? I just, it's amazing to me. There's always wars. There's always famine. There's always problems. Jesus says, listen, don't be fooled. It doesn't mean the end is here. It does mean I'm coming again, though. He said, I'm coming, so be prepared. It's not the great and final war, but there's some wars going to happen. And then, number two, there's the immediate, there are signs that immediately precede the end time event. Immediately precede. Look at what it says again in Matthew 24, 10 through 12. At that time, many will turn away from the faith. There will be signs, you know, we, we have to think about this. There will be signs even within the people 
that they're turning away from the faith. As well as in the heavens, things are going to happen. And they will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. The love of most will grow cold is a key verse there. Who is being talked about here? Believers. He says, at that time, many will turn away from their faith and their love will grow cold. He said, it's coming. There's going to, there's in this, in this seven year time frame, there's going to be people that are struggling and there, this time frame is coming is going to be horrible. There's just no better way to describe it. Praise God, we're not going to be here, right? There's going to be people saying before this time starts, they're going to say, you know, it's not just that I think the world is getting worse. I know the world is getting worse. There's things happening in the world that have never happened before. There's problems taking place that are just overwhelming individuals, families, and people. It's sort of like, how can I describe these signs? Let me, let me tell you this. It's sort of like if you're driving down the road in the car. And all of a sudden you hear a clunk. Okay, that's the beginning sign. You with me? That's the beginning sign. Now, if that happens with Kathy and I, I act like I don't hear anything. Because the minute I admit I hear something, then I have to take care of it. She always hears it. So you're going down the road, you, you have to be listening. You have to tune your ear to what's going on, and then you have to start listening. It's the same way with these signs. It's the exact same way. You go drive down the road a little further, and then you don't just hear a clunk. You hear a screech and a thump, 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 thump. Okay, that's the second sign. Now you know something is getting ready to happen, right? Something really bad is getting ready to happen. Number three is the final sign accompanying the actual end of time as we know it. When it's too late to decide. When the books are closed. That's the end. That's when the engine falls out of the car. All right? That kind of scenario. That's the sign that's being talked about here in this third part. Jesus is coming back not to rapture us, his body of believers. He's coming back as conqueror and judge. Those books are closed. Nobody's going to have the opportunity then. It's all over. In a split second, it's all going to be done. Signs happen in the sun, the earth, the moon, the stars. All these things take place. The stars are falling to earth. Maybe it's a meteor shower. Maybe it's a meteor shower of such great grandeur that, that the sky opens up. It says the sky rolls back like a scroll. Maybe you can look right up into heaven. I don't know. But you know what? The atmosphere is going to fall away. There's going to come a time when there's going to be all kind of ecological disasters. This is God's judgment on the world. 
Why are we told all this? Why, why is he taking the time to tell us all this? If we're not going to be here anyway, why does it matter? Well, I'm going to tell you why. I think there's two particular reasons. A, is we need to be told these things to empower our witness. Empower our witness. We need to fully realize that these things are going to happen because people have not accepted Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. They're not only going to go through these horrible things down here on earth. What's going to happen to them when they get to their place of destination? Hell, Hades. What's going to happen to them? They're going to they're suffer for eternity. Can you imagine a, a, a time in your life? Now, if you think back, and I call it my B.C. days before Christ, my B.C. days, can you imagine in your life a time without Jesus in your life? That's what hell is going to be. And these people don't realize it. God's wrath is being poured out upon the world. But B, I also think God tells us these things to enable our wisdom. Enable our wisdom. Listen, he doesn't want us as believers in this world today to think like Lot's wife, you know, we're going to miss something. We don't want to be looking back or be thinking that for some reason, somehow he's abandoned us. Because he is not. He's telling us these things so that we'll know in advance. And when we see these things starting to happen, and when we understand that this is God's plan, and it's all a part of what's supposed to take place, then we'll have that assurance. Listen, that it's God's plan at work. Judgment is going to be inevitable. And a lot of the world does not believe that. And that's, that's, that's heartbreaking to me and sad to me. But in the interim, what do we need to be doing? A lot of us are sitting here thinking, well, you know what? If that's the case, I appreciate what he's telling me here, that it empowers my witness and enables my wisdom. But if, if, if the world's going to end anyway, which I believe it is, and I believe most of you think it is and believe it is in this way, why don't I just concentrate on myself about going to heaven? Why don't I just improve myself? Why should I witness? Why should I tell anybody else? Well, let me give you a scenario here for a second. Let's say that you go to the doctor. You're having some issues. And you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, Okay, I have this little pill. Little white pill. You just take this little white pill every day, and you'll start to feel better. And you're going to live longer and you're going to be healthier. And you say, well, why should I take that pill? I'm going to die anyway. Now, wouldn't that be silly? If you've got a pill, now some of you are sitting there thinking, well, it depends on how much that pill costs. <laughs> but you know what? If you had something that you knew was going to allow you to live longer and feel better and be healthier, why wouldn't you do it? We have that same opportunity to share with people that possibility in their life we have the knowledge we have the understanding so that's why he gives this to us listen jesus came as the great physician to heal those that needed healing to help those that needed help we as his body the church 
have been given the authority and the power and the opportunity to do the same. So don't you think, doesn't that mean that we as believers should offer that same health, hope, grace, and strength to the world? I think it does. It's pretty quiet out there. Listen, just to simply let the world know that he is a God of grace, he's a God of love, and he's a God of concern for their salvation. That's why all this is taking place. It's not only to demonstrate it to us, it's to demonstrate it to the rest of the world. And I said at the very beginning of all this weeks ago, you know what, we as believers have nothing to fear. But those who aren't believers and don't follow Jesus, they've got a lot to fear. But are we telling them? Are we, are, are we trying to be instrumental in the process of what he's doing? Are we just being bench warmers? I don't know. There's a terrible tragedy at the end of these six scrolls that are being opened. All of this is going to take place. Look at verses 15 and 17 with me. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the mighty, the rich, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Listen, in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, we know about Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve come to earth. God created them, put them in the garden. They were tending the garden, and here comes the serpent. Sin entered into the world because of their disobedience. And here along comes God strolling in the garden to talk to them. Now, do you think he doesn't know what happened? He knows what happened. But what do they do? They hide. They hide because of their shame, and they hide because of their fear of what's going to take place because of their sin. They knew in their hearts and minds they did wrong. I believe it's going to be the same way at the end, according to the Scripture. These people that are on earth that know they're doing wrong, they're going to call out and they're going to pray for the mountains and the rocks to fall on them to hide them from the Almighty God. Because they don't want to face the consequences. But they will face the consequences. They're afraid of what God is going to do because of their sin. Instead of going towards him and confessing their sin and receiving his forgiveness and his salvation, they're running away. There's going to be tragedy for those. Their hearts are hardened and they're simply saying, I just want to hide. They do not understand there's a God that loves them. There's a God that cares for them. And there's a God that wants to offer them salvation. All this is taking place before this time because of that. Listen, God has been at work in the world since the beginning of time. But in these end times... Regardless of which stage we're at, he's moving the world through this process and he's offering salvation to people. But they're still refusing, a majority, 
Not all. Scripture says the wrath of God has come upon the world. There's a God who loves them and cares about them and is continuing to inviting them, but they're continuing to reject and refuse. Listen, this, this wrath that's being poured out on the world, it's not God's vindictiveness. It's not some impersonal um, situation or process that God's doing on the world. It's because of his holiness. It's because of his holiness and the world's sinfulness. That's the only reason this is taking place. God's wrath is in response to all his holiness and the sinfulness that's in this world. When you and I come before Christ, he doesn't see our sin any longer. As, as, as believers in Jesus and followers of Jesus, he sees us through the eyes of Jesus. And he sees us cleansed and white and pure and white. He sees us the way Jesus sees us. Jesus sees us completely different than the world sees us. Then we even see each other. I wonder if in all eternity, if we will really ever completely, truly understand what Christ has done on the cross for us. I wonder if when we get to heaven, when I get to heaven, if I'll still even completely understand it. Then we have the view from heaven, the second part, the view from heaven. Listen, there's all kinds of tragedies taking place. There's earthquakes taking place. God says this is the end, but he says before we open the seventh scroll, let's take a pause, let's take a breath for a second. Why does he do that? God shows us what's happening from beginning to end from the earthly viewpoint. They're sequential, I believe. But we have to remember, time in heaven and time on earth are not the same. We've talked about that a little bit in the past. They're, they're different. He, he goes back and forth between the beginning, between the middle, between the end, and he jumps back to the middle. So that, that vacillation of time frames is taking place. But it's what's happening, and it's what's going to happen as time ends, as we know it. In Revelation 7, we start this. We, we see three different groups in this particular section. Three different groups that are teaching powerful truths about God's word. Verses 1 through 3 and verse 7, we see the four angels that are holding back the winds. on all the, Can you imagine? Think about this. Can you imagine no wind at all? Absolute stillness. I tried to imagine that the other day. I was sitting on my back porch, and there was a breeze blowing. I went out on the front porch, and I'm, I'm thinking, I, I, can't, I can't plug that into my head. What would it be to absolutely have no movement of air whatsoever? The four angels. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Now look, the wind is going to be destructive. That's the indication here. Do not harm the land and the sea and the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. 
That tells me God is absolutely in control through the entire process. When he needs to pause things for just a moment because he needs something done, he stops the process. He stops it right there. He pauses it. And then when he needs to continue, he continues and he moves on. We see continued chaos on the earth unfolding. But think about what it is like in heaven. We see increased control, increased power, increased grace in heaven. But it's different down here on earth. That's why I believe the attitude of worship, and we talked about this a little bit last week, the attitude of worship is so imperative and important as we look at this book for us as Christians, us as believers. If you read it with a heart of worry, you're going to miss a lot of the great information that's in here and great truths and promises that we can cling to as believers. God is in absolute control. We have to look at it with a heart of worship to fully understand it. Then we have a second group of people to look at. It's the 144,000. Who are all these people? They're not the best Christians among us. And they're not some super group of saints. Let's look at what it says. They're the number that are sealed from the tribes of Israel. Look at verses 4 through 8. Then I heard the number of those that were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. And from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. And from the tribe of Zebulon, 12,000. And from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. And from the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. Who are all these people? They're Jewish. They're now Jewish believers. They're what we would call Messianic Jews today. Think about this for a second. He states in his scripture over and over again, he tells us that he wants the nation of Israel to bless all the other nations. In the end, this is going to take place. If you look at Romans 11, Romans 11 speaks of the fact that there's going to be a gathering of all the nations of Israel, and there's going to be a gathering and a renewal of faith among the nation of Israel. That's what this is. These are all Jewish believers that are coming to belief during this first, those beginning pains of the tribulation. Why do I say that? Stick with me for a couple of minutes. They come to know Christ as their personal Savior. Revelation 14.4 is going to tell us when we get there, he calls them their first fruits. The first fruits that come out of the tribulation. There's an indication in that word first fruits that they are a choice offering. Not only was that 144,000 saved, but can you think about this for a second? Can you imagine 144,000 saved Jews, think of the Apostle Paul for a minute, being unleashed on the world at the beginning of tribulation? 
Wouldn't that be great? I can envision that in my mind. Scripture doesn't tell us that, but I can envision that. 144,000 Paul types running around out there telling people how much Jesus loves them and how concerned their Jewish brothers are about their salvation and what God wants to do in their lives. These 144,000 could bring about and teach that God's greatest concern is their salvation, is others' salvation. God is always working up to the very end. He's bringing people to him through this tribulation time. And I was taken to task last week by somebody that said that wouldn't happen. Well, I'm going to tell you why I believe it will happen in just a second. The Bible says that these 144,000, when we get to chapter 9, are sealed with the mark of God. That sealing that we're going to get in the end times is also a sign of ownership. It's a sign of protection. Scripture is going to tell us in 9.4 that without that seal, anyone without the seal of God is going to be destroyed. Now, Satan's got his own seal, right? We're not worried about that one. We care less. God is going to protect those who are sealed. Number three, there's another multitude of believers. This is, this is the second group of people that God brings to him during that time. Look at this. He's, he's skipping from the beginning, now back clear to the end. He's jumping around again. He said, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, now this is important, you need to underline, highlight, circle these. Every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hand. Do you remember another time they were waving palm branches? Mm. This time he's really going to get to be king. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. We could stop right there, but we're not. What is this multitude in heaven? These, the, these believers tell us right here. I believe it tells us that God will never fail us. God didn't fail them. He's not going to fail us. There was never a time on earth at any time that God lost track of where you were at. Even when you were in places, that, those places that you knew you shouldn't be, God knew. There's never a time in our lives once we accept Christ as Savior and even before that he didn't know what we were doing and what we were up to. And there's times in my life, I know, and there's times in your lives, I imagine, that you realize now, in hindsight, that he was watching over you and protecting you from doing something more stupid than you already did. <coughs> Listen, God is going to bring those to himself that he has called. 
even in this multitude of believers. Who is this multitude of believers? Well, verse 13 answers that for us. Then one of the elders asked me, these in the white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? And in verse 14, he, the answer is there. Sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. I want you to circle or highlight or underline, they came out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These are those who lost their lives for the sake of their faith during the tribulation. Listen, you can't come out of something unless you're in something. There is no physical way. You have to be in it to get out of it. That's why I believe these people are being saved at this time. God does not fail them. He's not going to fail us. Look at how the chapter ends. Verse 15 and 16. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him night and day in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they be hungry. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. No matter what's happening in your life right now, I want to tell you guys something. Some of you are going through some trials and tribulations. I understand that. But you know what? No matter what those trials or hard times might be, God says towards the end of time as we know it, you won't have to face the tribulation that the rest of the world's going to face. You think there's trouble now? It's nothing compared to what's going to happen. He has a hope, and he has a future for us. He has decided that he's not going to run away from us. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us, and nothing can snatch us out of his hand. Christians, we're going to go through persecution. We're going to go through some tough times. There's things that we're going to have to deal with as they come up. Maybe it's health issues. Maybe it's financial issues. Maybe it's just emotional and spiritual issues that are wearing us down. I know we get tired. But you know what? Jesus says one day, one day all that's going to end. Look at verse 16, or 17, rather. This time of great tribulation is going to be an intense time, but we're not going to have to deal with it. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Listen, the Lord is going to be our shepherd for all of eternity. That should give us hope. That should give us significance and honor because we are a child of God and he has accepted us as his child because of what Jesus did on the cross it's nothing we did but what Jesus did on that cross let's go ahead and pray Father God I thank you for bringing us back just to focus on the throne a little bit today we think about all these tragedies and all these things that are going to happen at the end times. And sometimes we feel helpless. Sometimes we might view it as a little hopeless. But you know what? If we have accepted you as our Savior and our Lord, 
then we have nothing to fear. Your word tells us that you love us and you care for us. And we are brothers and sisters in your kingdom. We're brothers and sisters with Jesus. There's no greater honor. Father, we have a hope and a future. I thank you for being willing to be our shepherd throughout all of eternity. Lord, my heart's heavy this morning. I don't know why. But I pray of anyone here that does not know you as Savior and Lord, that they would just surrender today. Give their life to you. They're not giving it to, to me as a pastor or preacher. They're not giving it to their spouse or a friend. They're giving it to you. Father, that means we have to surrender and we have to be willing to allow you not only to save us from all these things that are going to happen at the end time, but to also save us from ourselves and to save us from our sin and to save us from Satan. And Father, if there's those here that need to do that, I pray that you would instill in their heart to do that and walk up that aisle today and just share that with us and let us let us share with them how to accept this new life in Christ and if there's those that have done that but they haven't taken that step that large step of obedience by being baptized like your son Jesus was that those individuals would step forward like, like Gina and Isabella and Christopher did last week when we were able to baptize them. And Father, if there's any here that have made those decisions, but they've never, just never been a part of a church family, maybe they've never given much thought about being a member of a church body. Father, I pray that you would just allow them to come forward today and share that with us we can help them be a part of our church family in a more formal way. Father, whatever happens this morning, whatever has happened in our time together this morning, I pray that there's things that are taken away from here and people apply them to their life in a way that would ultimately bring glory and honor to you. And Father, we just simply pray your will be done in all these matters. In Jesus' name. If you can and would, stand, please. <clears throat> I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. Oh.
each and every one of you for coming today and you guys are such a great and gracious group thank you so much Kathy and I really appreciate all the things you did for us last month for pastor appreciation the money the gift cards and I especially like the cookies and I ate them all myself <laughs> so I thank you very much she didn't want any praise God <laughs> you know what you guys need to give a hand just a praise hand to the tech teams, the instrumentalists, the singers, they all do such a great job each time. Give them a praise hand today, man.